From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Zen versus trabeculectomy, part two. The effect of being non-white was much stronger uh, for the trabeculectomy patient. First this. There's a lot to be said for the printed page. It's always on, loads instantly, it's very high resolution, and there's no monthly fee. But one thing it's not is interactive. I know journals have advertised interactive content and multimedia, but to get to it, you need to type a URL in a computer. iWorld AR changes all that. Once you have the app, you simply aim your phone at an iWorld page with the AR symbol, and videos, interactive material, presentations, and podcasts appear in the page. Amazing! The effect is stunning, and the app is free. Go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and search iWorld AR. That's so great. That's one word with no spaces. iWorld AR. Great job. Search iWorld AR, one word, on the App Store or the Play Store. It's like ophthalmology's secret decoder ring. This is part two of my interview with Matt Schlanker on the comparison of the Zen Gel Abinternal Microstent to trabeculectomy. Matt, what adverse events were observed in each group? So in terms of adverse events, uh, even though this study does have some 350 patients, we're still underpowered for achieving uh, statistical significance with our safety outcomes. But we can report at least uh, what happened in this group, where the trabeculectomy side did have, we tallied, uh, 30 postoperative complications versus the abinternal microstent, which had 22 patients with complications. However, most of these complications in both groups were transient and resolved over the first month. And the difference in the uh, rates was largely driven by leaks or conjunctival dehiscences, uh, which were much more common in the trabeculectomy group uh, than the microgroup, microstent group, as one uh, would, ex- would ex- expect. There was two patients in each group who had high FEMA, there was two patients in the microstent group who had vitreous hemorrhage and one in the trabeculectomy group. The rate of choroidal folds and choroidals was actually low in both groups. Uh, there was one in the microstent group and two in the trabeculectomy group. And in all three of these cases, it was self-limiting, and did not require uh, drainage or any other surgical intervention. As we know, there are other trabeculectomy studies which had uh, much higher rates of uh, Early, especially early uh, choroidals or even ongoing uh, choroidal folds and hypotony maculopathy, but not something we found in this uh, study. There are a few uh, complications that are specific to the intervention. So, for instance, the uh, microstent was blocked in uh, one case out of the 185 eyes, and there was an exposed microstent uh, in or one eye out of the 185 eyes and also some microstent iris touch in two of the patients. In terms of serious complications, uh, there were uh, four cases of malignant glaucoma in the microstent group and two in the trabeculectomy group, and there was one case of blebitis in the trabeculectomy group 
uh, which did resolve with conservative measures and no blobitis in the ab internal microstent group. Matt, you, you've you've presented now that that the outcomes in terms of IOP reduction were were similar. That although the uh, study wasn't powered um, for for adverse event comparison, there's there's nothing that is is tremendously different in your numbers between the the uh, groups in terms of postoperative intervention. They were they were similar too. So the 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 next big question is. Uh, how did the two groups compare in terms of reoperation? Okay, so in terms of reoperation, uh, out of the 185 microstent eyes, 19 uh, received uh, reoperation, and out of the 169 trabeculectomy eyes, nine uh, received operation uh, reoperation. So there was some trend towards having a higher reoperation rate in the microstent group. The most common uh, reoperation for the microstent group was actually a second microstent. And again, this is somewhat subjective uh, in terms of what the next step is after a patient is not doing well following one intervention. The second most common was a bare belt tube shunt, which six eyes received, uh, and then one eye received cyclophotocoagulation, one received an almond valve, two received a trabeculectomy. On the, micro, or on the trabeculectomy group, uh, one actually did receive a microstent, uh, two received a bare belt tube shunt, three received cyclophotocoagulation, uh, one received an Ahmed valve, and then one received both, or one received a supracoidal stent, and another received uh, trabecular bypass stent. So again, we're not necessarily statistically powered. There's possibly some trend uh, for a higher reoperation rate among the ab internal microstent eyes. Matt, how did your trabeculectomy results compare with those of previous studies? And and this is an important question because it's a gauge of how generalizable the results are in, in your comparison. Yeah, so this is something that's actually come up in uh, some of the letters to the editor that we've received for this paper, uh, which will be published soon. And I think it's a very good question. As you said, Josh, it's quite important for uh, the readers to know uh, how these results would fare compared to their own results, as you said, the external generalizability of this paper. We've spent quite a bit of time actually reflecting on the trabeculectomy uh, literature, and what we've found is wide variation in the, for instance, percent of patients achieving their IOP targets even after one year, with range up from 50 to uh, even in the high 80 uh, percent range. So the results here are very much in keeping with the literature, though there would be definitely studies that would have worse trabeculectomy outcomes than the study, and also studies which would have better trabeculectomy outcomes than the study. In, in, in terms of your results, for the patients coming in with, um, with higher starting IOPs, the, and, and correct me if, if I'm wrong here, the, the Zen seemed to, to perform at, at least as well as the TRABS did for patients coming in with, with lower starting pressures. And I think lower was, what, 12 to 14? That, that, um, that trabeculectomy seemed to outperform the uh, Zen. Why, why do you think that that was true? So, yeah, Josh, what we found in the study is that when we stratify the patients, by their preoperative IOP. So we basically took the patients who had a uh, preoperative IOP of higher than 21 and compared that to the patients who had an IOP of 21 or lower in their uh, preoperative time period. What we found on a relative basis is that the patients who had the 
higher preoperative IOPs uh, did relatively better with the microstent, whereas the patients who had the uh, IOP of 21 or less uh, preceding their surgery seemed to form a little bit better with the trabeculectomy. And I think it's a very interesting question. Obviously, this analysis is exploratory in nature, more of a post hoc analysis, but the possible mechanism for this uh, difference in effect may be what we know about uh, the impact of the aqueous on the subconjunctival space, where we wonder if we're a trabeculectomy, we have a large ostomy uh, with a lot of aqueous uh, going through, which would be particularly true for patients with a high eye pressure, what we're finding is that the outcomes were maybe not as good. And this could be related to scarring secondary to that aqueous with its uh, pro-inflammatory properties. In contrast with the ab internal microstent, we have a much more regulated flow in the sense that you have a finite uh, lumen, that being 45 microns for which the aqueous uh, can flow through. Uh, so the, the possible hypothesis here is that those patients with a high uh, intraocular pressure and a lot of drive and a lot of flow uh, into their bleb uh, may be better served by a more regulated flow of this aqueous into the subconjunctival space. Matt, you looked at the demographics of your study population. You found that the Zen performed better for non-white patients. Why, why do you think that there was that difference? Yeah, so Josh, what we found here, which is very much in keeping with previous studies on subconjunctival uh, surgery, is that the non-white patients overall uh, did not do as well as the white. And this was true both on a univariable and also on a multivariable uh, basis across our study. But what we found looking for any differential effect uh, for the microstent and the trabeculectomy is that this impact was much stronger uh, for the trabeculectomy uh, eyes than it was for the microstent group, i.e. the effect of being non-white was much stronger uh, for the trabeculectomy patients. Now, why could this be? Well, again, this may come down to differences that we know uh, are, are present in scarring between these two populations, where there's the hypothesis, definitely the clinical effect that we observe of scarring, but the hypothesis being that there are more inflammatory cells such as uh, macrophages uh, in non-white patients. Now, the microstent may potentially have an advantage over the trabeculectomy in these non-white patients in the sense that there is less conjunctival uh, tenons and scleral manipulation, which may have less, uh, which, which may basically lower uh, the risk of scarring. So that the trabeculectomy patients uh, who are, who are uh, Caucasian or white seem to actually do quite well often. And again, they may just be less prone to scarring uh, versus the non-white patients following the trabeculectomy may have uh, more scarring and subsequently more uh, flap scarring, conjunctival scarring, and uh, failure. Really, really interesting stuff. Matt, a number of differences between the two groups were, were trends and, and, and didn't reach statistical significance within the, the confines of the parameters of, of the study. Putting aside statistical significance, are the differences in the outcomes and failures between Zen and trabeculectomy clinically important? So, Josh, I think this is a great question. Obviously, this is something that, that myself and all glaucoma surgeons are going to need to grapple with uh, over time 
you know, as I reflect on the study, as you said, there were not a lot of differences were statistically significant, uh, which may have been uh, statistically significant had we had an even uh, larger uh, sample size than what we did. A few things uh, that come to mind for me as I deal with my patients. One, as I alluded to before, in this study, we didn't see a lot of uh, hypotony in the trabeculectomy group. And there definitely uh, are, are other studies out there, uh, both retrospective and prospective trials, which do show uh, rates of hypotony that are higher than this study. When I am going for a particularly low eye pressure, for instance, in the setting of a uh, normal tension glaucoma, I may consider still using a trabeculectomy. The issue with the microstent in this group is that the six millimeter length and 45 micron uh, lumen uh, precludes achieving very low pressures. And this is obviously nice in the early uh, preoperative period because you don't have to worry as much about shallow anterior chambers, uh, choroidals, and low eye, low eye pressures that can cause hypotony maculopathy. Uh, but in the long term as well, if the goal is to, for instance, achieve single-digit pressures, uh, one may want to consider uh, a trabeculectomy. Another difference that I, uh, I think about is the scarring rate. So if I see a patient where I have a high index for suspicion that they are going to uh, scar heavily, then I would consider a uh, microstent approach in the sense that there is less manipulation uh, to their uh, conjunctiva, tenons, and sclera. Something else I uh, think about is the uh, short-term follow-up uh, required for the patient and the possible uh, complications from that short-term follow-up so that, well, again, this study did not specifically address this question as something we are evaluating currently. My sense is that in the early postoperative period, there's much higher chance of having low IOPs or really high IOPs in the trabeculectomy group. So, for instance, if you're concerned that someone could experience central vision loss from these uh, fluctuations, one may want to consider uh, the abinternal microstent route. Trabeculectomy consumes conjunctiva in, in the sense that it, it renders part of the conjunctiva unavailable to subsequent surgery. Um, so, I mean, for, for, for example, with your, with your own group, when you, you were talking about a need for, uh, for re-operation with, with the Zen group, you said that one common re-operation for the Zen patients was a, was a second Zen, it, that, you know, there, there's a limit to the number of trabs that you can do because the conjunctiva, uh, as I say, is, is, is consumed. Is, is the same true of Zen failure? Does, does Zen failure preclude subsequent, let's say, trap? So this is also something that I think is yet to be worked out in our day-to-day -day practice as we treat our patients. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, and, and probably a reason why in some ways the results in this study were similar, that we are uh, creating a bleb and we are subject to the, uh, the healing of this bleb uh, over time uh, with both of these uh, interventions. And as we know, there's a lot of uh, variability uh, in, the, in this healing. So because we're applying mitomycin in both of these, I think the uh, same issues that we have with trabeculectomy uh, in the area where the trabeculectomy performed is also true uh, for the microstem. With that said, 
As we know, some patients after trabeculectomy with mitomycin, their conjunctiva looks essentially unchanged, where others, uh, conjunctiva uh, can become quite uh, avascular and, and thin. And I think the same is true uh, for the microstent. I think there is, however, some, again, this is subjective, there may be some uh, benefit for the microstent in terms of the blood morphology in the sense of there may be a little bit more posterior flow and so that there may be fewer anterior uh, cystic uh, blebs, which are the ones most concerning, uh, you know, when going back into the eye or even on a long-term basis. So my current practice, if I would have to go back for reoperation for the microstent, I probably would not uh, necessarily be in that quadrant. However, I have considered and will likely do at some point a uh, superior uh, trabeculectomy after a superior nasal ab internal microstent has failed. So I do think there, there is some space the same way that some people end up doing their trabeculectomy a little bit superior nasal and then consider a, uh, a second trabeculectomy. However, in both procedures, I would be cautious uh, with conjunctiva uh, that looks ischemic and avascular uh, opening that may possibly expose them to complications in the future. Matt, this is a, a, a really interesting study. Two, two procedures here are shown to be essentially equivalent clinically, particularly for, for patients with higher starting pressures. One procedure, Zen, seems to be less invasive and, if I'm reading it right, less technically challenging. Having learned this, what do you now do in the context of your own practice? And for which patients do you recommend one of these procedures over the other? Yeah, so this is something that, that is evolving in my own practice as I continue to learn about the ab internal microstent and also reflect on my uh, trabeculectomy outcomes. It's, you know, as we discussed earlier, it's humbling to actually look at the uh, subconjunctival or filtering surgery outcomes in our literature. I think we have a lot of uh, uh, leeway to improve here uh, to, to, in, to better help our patients. As I reflect on the studies here, there are definitely, quite, there are definitely patients where I am not sure uh, which procedure will be best for them. There's a sense from this study that there's, they're reasonably similar in terms of the efficacy outcomes. And again, the safety outcomes are a little bit harder to glean uh, from, a, from a single study uh, of this nature. The times where I consider uh, doing a trabeculectomy are times where I uh, want to achieve uh, really low eye pressures. They're also in patients where I think that the outcomes will be favorable. So these are patients who are less amenable to scarring. I also still may consider uh, trabeculectomy in patients who have really high eye pressure uh, that could require uh, needlings over time. I think both procedures uh, can be uh, needled, but obviously with the trabeculectomy, you are making a, uh, a large ostomy in a large space. And uh, you know there, there could be some thought there that it may be easier to needle. Uh, Time will tell as we continue to evaluate these two procedures. In terms of the microstent, I consider the microstent strongly in patients where the, I feel like they're going to have a lot of scarring after the surgery and that I want to do something that is uh, 
faster to do in the, and has faster uh, recovery and has less volatility in the early uh, post-operative period. Matt, thank you very much. No problem. Thank you, Josh. Matt Schlenker comes to us from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. His paper, Efficacy, Safety, and Risk Factors for Failure of Standalone Abinterno Gelatin Microstent Implantation versus Standalone Trabeculectomy, appears in the November 2017 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Schlenker or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.